Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astros! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. And we're back here on Go, Go Astros. Andy and Brian and Lance McCullers are back. Lance McCullers, what, seven innings? Or six innings, 81 pitches. Uh, Brian, was that what you expected to see out of Lance? I didn't expect that many innings, but it sort of speaks to how efficient he was both with his pitches. And, of course, he got three double plays, two that he induced with a ground ball. And uh, that's a, uh, you know, that's always a good thing for a pitcher. He's a ground ball pitcher, and uh, that's an asset that he has. In general, he wasn't quite as sharp as he was last year, which was his best season. Uh, if you sort of look under the hood, his velocity was a tick down. It was a mile per hour down. He was had a you know little lower uh, swing strike rate and a little lower, uh, a little higher rate of throwing balls than he did uh, last year you know, or across his career. But again, differences are relatively small and uh, speaks to he had a really good start and it's really encouraging. Andy, uh, you know, his start was was statistically better than any of his rehab starts. Can we finally put to oh, bed no. the con? Yeah, can we finally what, what? put to bed the concept that reset rehab starts are there to do a thing and not that thing is not necessarily to win, like you said, for the Sugarland Space Cowboys? Well, I mean, clearly Oscar turned up the bionic elbow um, setting to ten for his major league start, where it's only like a seven or eight for Sugarland. So, um, you know, I, I think it was very encouraging from a colors. I'm trying to temper my expectations because it was the Oakland days. And I know we can say that we were six and six against them this season going into the series, um, but they're not even as good a team as they were earlier in the season. And they're really, really bad. Um, uh, the things I mostly positive stuff, the things I noticed, he seemed to have a little bit of control issue, especially against left-handed hitters trying to get his breaking balls over. They seemed way outside. Um, and you could tell he was struggling a little bit with it too, but the control, the type of surgery he has had on top of the type of surgery he had, two years ago um, control is kind of the last thing to come back. And even last year, we were talking about this in uh, May and June about, you know, is he going to be a guy that we can trust in the playoffs? Cause he was not, he, he was suffering from control problems and it took a while to get there. I don't think we're going to see the a level Lance McCullers this year, but the B level probably is good enough to be a third starter in a playoff series. Yeah, definitely. I think Verlander, Fromber, LMJ, and then we're going to talk about who the fourth guy shall be. Um, I do want to bring up, and we'll start with you on this one, Andy. Um, probably the three most consistent offensive games in a row that we have seen this season. Now, Brian, I'm sure there are numbers that tell me I'm wrong, but it does seem like offensive, a good offensive day is followed by a not-so-good offensive day this year. Um, it's amazing what happens when you play Trey Mancini and Vasquez and you actually – put like what you called Andy, our playoff lineup out there with Chaz in center and with Mancini in left. And uh, all he did was go what three for three that day or three for four. Three so for four. yeah. Our so thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, it's giving Dusty Baker the benefit of the doubt. Um, one of the things he does really, really well is win regular season games with a couple of exceptions. His team win divisions, they make the playoffs and he gets them in a position to be there at the end of the year. Um, and part of the way he does that, and part of the way A.J. Hinch did this too, was that he plays his guys, he plays everybody. Um, A.J. seemed to be a little bit more methodical and more uh, reason-oriented about why he'd play certain guys in certain days, but everybody played. Uh, Dusty 
probably has his reasons, but Dusty also comes from this, uh, the old school of, I don't have to share my reasons with the reporters and certainly not the fans about why I'm not playing Chaz McCormick against left-handed hitters, even though every statistic says I should be. Don't bring up uh, OPS to him either. Cause that's fan yeah, stuff. That's just fan stuff. And, and I think some of that is the crusty layer that Dusty likes to portray to the public um, because I don't think he's stupid. I don't think he is ignorant of how this all works. Um, but I think there is some value in keeping all of your players one to 26 engaged. I think major league baseball, because it's one of the things we've picked on him before. He tends to forget that he's got guys out in the bullpen sometimes. Um, I think one of the favors that major league baseball has done dusty Baker is limiting his pitching staff to 13 players. Um, so if we're going to carry six starters, he only he needs to keep track of six other guys or seven other guys. That's huge for him because when he had eight or nine to choose from, there'd be two or three that are like, I haven't pitched since June, this September. <laughs> oh, I'm in now. It's high leverage. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to see over the course of these last 47-ish games, I don't have it in front of me, but somewhere around there, um, the lineup gelling, cohesing a little bit more into what you're going to see in the playoffs. I do think once we get the playoffs, and Dusty has shown this throughout his managerial career, it's not going to be quite as mix and match. It's going to be, this is the best lineup we can put out. And honestly, when you've got a 13 game lead in the division and the Yankees seem to be face planning to use your term, Jim, um, <laughs> through the last part of this season, um, there's not a lot of urgency in the games they're playing. So they are fine tuning for lack of a better term for the remainder of the regular season. Uh, Brian, do you want to follow up on that? Yeah, um, just to follow an age point, we've talked about it a lot here over the last really six weeks, ever since it's been very clear the Astros are going to win the AF West and win it pretty easily. They shouldn't play their guys every day. They should rest their guys a lot, and they should be most of what they're doing is thinking about October. So one possibility for October is that Trey Mancini plays in left field because you're not going to have Michael Brantley. We know that for certain now. Um, and is Trey Mancini a good defensive left fielder? No. Is he passable? Well, he certainly was on Saturday, and his bat's pretty good. Obviously, you could also play him at first and play a Ledmus out there, um, or you could play Chaz out there. You've got a number of sort of different possibilities. And you do see that if you sort of track the, you know, one thing I've been doing on, on Twitter is tracking who's playing how often. And you get a sense of that not everyone's playing every day, and there is really good distribution across and keeping guys engaged, but more importantly, keeping guys rested which is a, a key goal of this team between now and again the second round of the playoffs because we know we're getting there yeah and and i think i i don't think we need to ride these guys hard and and do that whole thing i i did think though that he was being intentionally kind of obtuse about yeah particularly I can understand Vasquez uh, because it takes time maybe to get to know the pitchers, but Mancini was new to your team. He should have been playing, but neither here nor there. Um, one the, of the things the that I think here, the job share at catcher right now seems to be about 55, 45 in favor of Baldonado. So it's real close to even so far. Um, and it'll be something worth tracking over the rest of the season. Right. And when we get to the playoffs, I de I definitely expect and want it to be Maldonado in there until there's, unless it's a pinch hit situation that we need. Like, especially if the lineup Andy has Chaz in center, Mancini playing a serviceable left field, particularly at Minute Maid Park, 
where now we don't really need the nine spot to produce, but you can't say that when the seven, eight, and nine spot aren't producing. Yeah, I think the variable there too, though, is who's pitching. So when Framber Valdez is pitching, Trey Mancini is perfectly fine in left field because Framber's going to throw an inordinate amount of ground balls. If we're in a large park, and I'm struggling to think of who that might be, but um, let's say we were playing Tampa Bay somehow. Trey Mancini's not going to play left field in Tampa Bay with Justin Verlander pitching. Sure. That doesn't make any sense. You're going to see Aledmus Diaz, and who knew we thought Aledmus Diaz would be a defensive upgrade in left field for anybody. But that's that's the team we have now. Um, what I don't think you're going to see any more of is Chaz and Jake Myers in the outfield at the same time when we get to the playoffs because there is a recognition that together they don't produce at a major league level. Um, individually in different lineups, maybe they do. Um, but it's it, – like I say, we're, we're mixing and matching. There's just not a lot to play for other than pride and staying healthy this, this last part of the season. Well, and I just think Chaz has shown that if he gets consistent ABs, he can produce and yeah. Jake Myers just isn't. And maybe he will after a full spring training next year, but it just I, seems like. And I think we've all said, I don't think Jake Myers is healthy and I don't want to pick on Jake. And I think Jake could be a serviceable piece next year. But if you watch him, he still favors his shoulder when he throws. He still favors his shoulder when he catches. He doesn't bend down well on balls that are hit on the ground to him. And he can't get around on fastballs. All of that says to me that his shoulder isn't where it needs to be, but he's still out there playing every day, which says more about, you know, the Astros organization and our medical team than it does Jake Myers' performance right now. Yeah, I mean, I... I completely agree um it's, it's nothing against jake but he's clearly limited out there and you don't want to have anybody any holes in your lineup if you don't if you can yep. help it um one of the things uh brian that kind of surprised andy and i and maybe shouldn't have surprised us let me just say i think it was a mistake to send martinez down i think garcia doesn't make the playoff roster if we're having to set a playoff roster right now and i'm not even sure he makes it in the ALCS round when we hit when we have to go play two more games um, he has been consistently mediocre for his last eight to ten starts yeah that's that's consistent with how yes and that's that's true and you know it was you know they, they sent him out in the seventh because they uh, seventh inning on uh, Friday because they fell short in the bullpen and he gave up two singles including uh, two hits including the hard double uh, the second batter um you know and that was i thought predictable um at that point is he in short stance as a short reliever uh or someone who can go through one time through the order is he more effective than seth martinez in the playoffs history tells me yes um but it's a question of him as sort of adapting to that but clearly he is the six of six starters to me thinking about the playoffs right now um, and he's had a, as we said, he's been mediocre at best over probably a little worse than mediocre over the last two months. But Andy, to challenge what Brian said, I mean, part of Garcia's issue has been the first time through the lineup order. And then the, whenever we run him out for the seventh inning, for some reason, like you said, it's predictable, but he's had problems getting into games, which has been part of his issue. Yeah. And that's the Astros have won a lot of games. Typically, when you win a lot of games, you don't need a lot of long relievers. Um, so Martinez probably has a better opportunity to pitch every day and stay sharp in 
I, I don't like the move to put St. Martinez down, but if I'm trying just to understand it, he has a better opportunity to pitch more consistently in Sugarland than he will with the Astros over these next several games. Um, they've got to figure out what Garcia has left. I mean, it's not great when your worst major league season of your three is your current one. Um, there seems to be some regression happening, or at least a lack of taking that next step, taking making the adjustment. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I don't think Garcia is on the playoff roster. I don't see any reason to have him on the playoff roster. To Brian's point, the only reason you would consider it is that he does have a track record of pitching well in the playoffs. Uh, but I don't know that he could do that from the bullpen. So it, it's really he can sit on the bench and clap and, um, you know, get a ring if we happen to win one and be happy. But uh, he, he's a taxi squad guy. He's not he, he's not a, he's not a roster guy for the playoffs right now. So, Brian, is your rotation then JV, Fromber, LMJ, Urquidy with uh, Javier kind of being that swing guy in the bullpen? So one is I think the fourth – Here's the thing to think about sort of the fourth who starts game four, because I think that is the preferred option for games one through three. We feel very confident it'd be Verlander game one, Fromber game two. Uh, McCullers look good, but we need to see more information for him before fully penciling him in. But hey, we've got again six weeks of season left, so we can see a lot more of McCullers. Javier is the better pitcher than Jose Urquidy. The question to ask is, is he more valuable making one start going four or five innings or is he more valuable as the long guy in the bullpen someone who comes in in the as we saw as he did last year in the playoffs someone who comes in third time through the order sometimes earlier in the game if, if the starter doesn't have it and is able to get you you know two innings in the middle of the game and hand the ball off to um Naris, montero and uh, and presley in the last three innings and so that's a question which, frankly, they may not decide until they see how things go in the first two games of the playoffs. And they don't necessarily have to make that decision until then. But to me, that's the big question about thinking about the playoff rotation is one and two are set. Three, you know who you want it to be. You know you want it to be Lance. Four is a question. Andy, do you want to follow up on that? Uh, and there's not much to follow up to. It's not so much about Javier as it is Urquidy being limited and what he can be successful at. Um, he ha has not pitched out of the bullpen in a major league setting. Um, there's no reason to expect that he could do that effectively. Uh, I don't think he'd be bad at it necessarily, but Javier has a track record of being able to pitch warm up fast, pitch out of the bullpen, be successful at doing that. And when you get to a playoff situation, which even in a seven game series, we're only going to have four starters. Somebody's going to the bullpen. It's likely the guy who's been successful at doing that versus the guy who's never done it. Um, so it, it it is what it is, and I think Javier would understand that. But I also think I also hope from the Astros organizational perspective, this is the last time we have the conversation about Javier being a bullpen guy because he's proven that he can be a very, very good major league starter. And the only way he gets better is by continuing to be a major league starter. Playoffs are a different story, but for his career's sake and um, you know, being a homegrown Astros pitcher, I'm rooting for him, just like you know, the other three guys. But I really want um this to be his the last time we're having the conversation about Javier having to go to the bullpen just because the pieces don't fit right. Yeah, I completely agree on that. And I, I think 
you know, the other thing too that gives me hope is that Urquidy, while his numbers maybe are pretty pedestrian, has really his his last start notwithstanding has really trended in the right direction. Mm-hmm. The five to six starts before that, um, you know, uh, Andy, we got hit with the news that I think all of us knew, which was Brantley uh, would not be returning this year. <clears throat> Two part question: One, did the front office make a mistake by not being able to see that, figure that out, and get another outfield option? And two, are we finished seeing? As uh, is, is that the last time we've seen Brantley in an Astros uniform? Um. Obviously, this is all opinion, like the rest of the show. Uh, I don't think they necessarily made a mistake unless you think that um, being hopeful is a mistake. I think they really expected that <clears throat> his arm was going to, his shoulder was going to come around. Uh, they gave it a lot of time. He hasn't played since June. Um, it just, it, it didn't, and it hasn't progressed the way they wanted to see it. I do think they were trying to obtain another outfielder at the trade deadline and the the pieces just didn't work because what we were willing to deal, uh, we weren't going to get enough of a return back for. So you're talking about holding on to another season or three of Garcia, Urquidy, and Javier, which would be the guys that you would expect, you know, would be available to deal um, in exchange for an outfielder. That that would have been the price. We would want somebody controllable. We would want somebody who has a track record of success and, and couldn't make that match. So I don't I don't see those things as mistakes. It's just it didn't happen. Um, is Brantley done with the Astros? Yes. Um, I don't see any way the Astros come back to sign him. Um, I, I think he would be not prohibitively expensive because he has a, a, a reasonable deal with the Astros now, but he's 35 years old. He has a history of shoulder injury. The Astros were extremely lucky the amount of time based on his career in Cleveland. Yeah. The amount of time he missed in Houston they were extremely lucky that this was really the first thing that hit the radar and it happened to be the last three months of his contract. Um, I just don't see a world where they're going to spend money on Michael Brantley um, unless it's just some sort of, Hey, I just want to play in Houston and, you know, give me $5 million. Um, But yeah, I think we're done. I think we'll have a nice video for him. I think it'll mostly be a 15 minute loop of the double play in the ALCS <laughs> in 2019. And, and I'm okay with that because that ends with uh, Aaron judge throwing a big hissy fit standing at first base. Into it, Brian, do you want to follow up? Yeah. It's a real question of what Michael, Michael Brown is going to get as a free agent next year. So 5 million may be generous based on he's an older guy with a shoulder. His, you know, just came off shoulder surgery and you don't know what he's at. They have a hole in left field next year. They are more likely, I think, to replace that with internal options than their hole at first base. So, you know, maybe they at Brantley, you know, maybe they go for a Brantley and McCormick platoon in left field next year with Pedro Leone sort of behind it. We'll see. I think there's a possibility for that, but I don't think it's likely. But, um, you know, Michael Brantley was one of the, you know, in his four years in Houston, uh, five years in Houston, he was one of the sort of best loved and most respected players he was uh he moved from dr smooth to uncle mike and uh he will always be you know he'll always be every astros fan's favorite and and i think that's more than anything else where the astros have lost over the last couple of years and one of the reasons martin maldonado still plays every day is you keep losing leadership pieces Springer was a leader in the clubhouse. Correa was a leader in the clubhouse. Brantley was a quiet leader in the clubhouse. Maldonado of that group is really the the one that's left. Uh, I don't think the players look at Bregman and 
nothing against Bregman and Altuve, but I don't think they do that, serve that role, um, which is part of the reason, again, why Martin Maldonado is so important because he is one of the last guys that's willing to get in your face as another player and say, you need to pick it up. You need to do better. You need to stop acting like a baby. Although, you know, Altuve did that with McCullers, which brought me much glee when it happened. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like Altuve is. I mean, we've blinked, and now he's elder statesman in the uh, yep. in the in the clubhouse, which has been kind of cool to see from him. Um, we're gonna do a little non-Astro stuff because it's the big story in Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll go Andy first. Overall thoughts on the Fernando Tatis um, ringworm, which I would never admit to having ringworm to anyone. Like Brian called it on our chat, a dog's disease. Um, Overall thoughts, uh, Andy, then Brian. Well, um, I may or may not have been related to somebody um, that had ringworm um, in grade school. So, and, and Jim, you know him. So <laughs> I, I won't be quite that judgmental. Uh, it's just a another egregious lack of judgment by Tatis. Um, it, I really think that unless there's a lot of mea culpas that don't seem to want to, they don't seem to be coming from a Tatis party right this moment, that his time is limited in San Diego. I mean, they don't have to do anything and he's under club control for a while, but at some point I, and I hate to Mike Clevenger think he's the voice of reason of anything, but really he's not wrong. This is the second time that Tatis has let the franchise down uh, how can you trust that guy? I mean, that's that's what's going on in the other players' minds. Uh, if you're Juan Soto and you engineered this trade to San Diego, which beside behind the scenes, evidently, he had a lot to say about where he was going. Um, with the whole idea that you were going to be hitting with Fernando Tatis, and now that's not happening until sometime mid-season next year, um, there's just going to be a lot of bad feelings around that guy. I think, that, you know, the best thing that he could probably do is find a new franchise at some point. Um, but it's just an incredible waste of talent because I think we've all seen him play just take over games. And, and uh, he's one of the players that um, you talk about players from our youth, you, you know, watch the Reds a lot with the Astros playing in the National League West um, and then Central for a while. And uh, Barry Larkin, um, comes to mind when you talked about Fernando Tatis, just a guy that it didn't matter how bad the rest of the team happened to be, he was going to win that game for them. And Fernando Tatis is that kind of player. He is that level of talent. But, you know, there's a million stories in Major League Baseball about, you know, $10 million talent and five cent head. And I think we're seeing that a little bit with Tatis. Yeah. We, I mean, we saw that in Minute Maid Park last year with yeah. when Tatis did that. Brian, um, just so what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, the, the real curious part to me was like the Padres management talking about sort of a trust factor. They signed him to a 13-year contract. The, the trust factor doesn't matter anymore. Um, yeah. And he, says he may need another team, but, you know, I, I don't know that he has a positive value contract at this point. And it's really sort of hard to figure out, you know, what that would be sort of traded for. Because on the one hand, you have, as Andy said, possibly the most talent in the game. You know, this is a. Uh, I think he's the best player in baseball. Yeah, this guy as a shortstop has led the league in home runs, talented mm-hmm. league in home runs as a shortstop, um, and you know, and is still extremely young. On the other hand, you know, they asked him in spring training, you know, was your injury part of your motorcycle accident? And he said, which one? Um, you know, 
He's also the motorcycles are fun and all. Okay, I don't want to sort of disparage that, and you know, uh, but you know, maybe you should value your baseball career above that. On the other hand, at this point, he seems to have valued his baseball career over the other stuff. So you know, um, you know, it's it's you know, it's this swerving from sort of one thing to another. It was really telling the comments from the Padres clubhouse uh, because that wasn't our our friend, our guy made a mistake and we're with him it is why have you done this to us it's something it's something you rarely hear sort of that directly anymore and that sort of publicly so it was especially uh, to someone who publicly abandoned his uh girlfriend and child mike clevenger i mean i mean you violate his trust that's saying something yeah i mean (laughs) exactly i haven't seen clevenger in a while but he looks like a 35 year old skate shop clerk now I, i he's gained a little you know, facial weight yeah. this week. Look, I saw him in an opening act and he can't play the bass, but he may be one heck of a latte. I love it. Like he started a Pearl Jam cover band. Um, and you know, the damn thing with this Tatis contract is this is exactly the kind of situation that the Yankees end up picking him up for their top prospects because they're willing to eat the contract for San Diego. Um and that wouldn't surprise me in the next 24 months if he's wearing pinstripes. It's the, it's really a shame that I guess Major League Baseball doesn't have an Oakland Raiders where you could just dump all your problematic players. But I guess that is New York to some extent. Andy, things have changed so much in baseball. He's getting dumped to the Dodgers. Wow. Yeah. Right. At least he doesn't have far to go. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's um, I don't buy it for a second. And I was listening to Sean Salisbury driving into work today and he was talking about how every single players association has someone whose only job it is to answer the phone and say, yes, you can take this medicine or no, you can't take that. So I don't I don't buy it for a second. Um, I do believe a lot of these minor leaguers that run into that. But as we've seen, minor league is not treated the same way as major league as far as making sure they're taken care of. Yeah, one of, the, one of the founding fathers of Sabermetrics, one of the founders of Baseball Prospectus, is uh, Benny Gisele, who is a dermatologist in real life. He says, yeah, we never prescribe this for that. <laughs> exactly what we prescribe at every sort of different level of ringworm. And no, clearly this isn't that. So look, we know it's a made-up excuse. Frankly, I think it's funny to believe that he did get busted for ringworm, uh, for treating his ringworm. That would he's be, not getting uh, laid for a while, though, if that's what he's telling vile. You're, you're vile. That's why we suspended you. Um, you know, but yeah, this is, we've heard these excuses before every time. And, um, at, at one point I feel better if one of these guys would say, yeah, I just wanted it too much and I shouldn't have, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or I wasn't healing fast enough. So I took this, I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) I mean, and Andy Pettit kind of did that when it happened to him, which is, you know, he's the steroid guy who's going to get the hall of fame. So, you know, yeah. David Ortiz. (laughs) don't let your wife watch this episode yeah (laughs) all right that does wrap us up we will be back next monday after um the astros will have a bit of a challenging six game run they're going to be chicago and then atlanta and so hopefully uh they'll continue to do what they've done all season which is really measure up when it comes to some of the better teams in the league till then guys go strows hey we finally beat the a's go strows 13 games against playoff contenders and not another single one until September 19th. So enjoy this level of baseball because it's about to get crappy. Go Go Astros is a presentation from Twitchy Dolphin Media and part of the Let's Get To Baseball Network.